0: Six three four nine or proliftdoors com slash Portland. On this episode of the podcast, we have Mr. Patrick Sheehan, who uh, is a former state legislator, and we're in his office out here in uh, Clackamas County. And uh, welcome to the show. You want to just take a couple minutes introduce yourself, and uh, we'll go from there.
1: Hey there. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, my name is Patrick Sheehan, and I am a former uh, state. State representative uh, representing House District 51, which at the time was Happy Valley, Damascus, Oregon City. I used to tell people it went all the way from Hogsback, Oregon City to the Area 69 sex shop on uh, (laughs) uh, Clavel and 82nd. I know exactly where that is. Everyone knew exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, (laughs) Pretty pretty diverse area. Yeah, So I was in the 76th Legislative Assembly, which was the historic 30-30 partisan balance, which was a very interesting time to be there. And uh, now I am a real estate broker like I was before, and I dabble in some political consulting with my advertising background. And that's kind of where I find myself here in the pandemic land.
0: So one of the things. It's a good band or something. (laughs) Well, I was going to ask about the thirty thirty house. Like that uh, seems like a really interesting time to be a part of the legislature. Um, So you only served one term, so you didn't really have anything to contrast it against. Yeah, thanks for Um, reminding me. Sorry,
1: (laughs) for the (laughs) forcibly uh, retired.
0: We're we're Republicans. We all lose a lot of elections collectively. So,
1: (laughs) well, I you know we had redistricting happened, and it was consensual between the two chambers but it was under a very very heavy threat of going to the secretary of state which was kate brown at the time and the my own caucus made a deal with the democrats to throw two of us under the bus in order and they thought we had the the charisma to get over it jason conger's district shrunk and but he had the same people mine changed by 70% Seventy percent of the districts Jeez, changed, wow. uh, so they basically pivoted the district to where it now. Uh, well, it's redistricted again now, but at the time, uh, it it went from I believe I had five hundred voters in the city of Portland, and it went to fifteen thousand. Wow. So it it was very difficult uh, to overcome, and the Democratic superstar is the one I was running against, uh, Shamia Fagan. That was Where the other thing I was that yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I suppose if, you, if, if you're going to lose, we had known, if right? If only we had known. Well, hey, I dispatched Cheryl Myers before that, uh, who is now uh, Shamia Fagan's deputy secretary of state, who has been mm. appointed to a bunch of positions that she didn't deserve for ten years before that, and as uh, at least for me, is competent. Uh, Cheryl Myers definitely <laughs> isn't. Uh, but if you're going to lose, lose to the most successful Democrat in Oregon. Hey, yeah. yeah. You know, I, at least I'm not Matt Wands, you know, who lost to Chris <laughs> Gorsuch. Come on, Matt. <laughs> we'll get him just, on just to give him a hard time for catching
0: that. Catching strays over here. Matt's yeah. one of my
1: best friends. I'm going to make sure he hears that.
0: <laughs> so, I think it's worth pointing out, and this since you mentioned redistricting, uh, so re- redistrict every 10 years, and so... 2001 10 years prior to that redistricting is when the democrats walked out uh to deny quorum same similar to how republicans have done in the last couple of sessions uh and it was over redistricting and if my my memory serves it was because the republicans had a set of maps and the democrats knew that that if they could somehow stall long enough Those maps would then go to the Secretary of State, who was a Democrat. Yeah. And who, who would then redraw the maps however they, however they chose. And so they, that was them denying quorum to try to rig the maps in 2001 and successfully rig the maps in 2001. Very successfully.
1: That, that goes down as one of the biggest screw jobs was the, the original Bradbury. 2001.
0: Yep. And so then when you have those maps going into the, 2011 redistricting now you're just tweaking around the edges some some get really changed and some districts do not but your status quo like the the maps that you're starting from are so skewed to the left that just a few changes and we go from a 30 30 house to uh, what we have now, which is what twelve thirty-seven
2: <laughs> twenty-three,
1: I think. Yeah, yeah. something uh, like that. It's, yeah, it's just just shy of a super majority, I think, in the house. Right. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's interesting because when you're redrawing the maps, you're really not supposed to start with any map. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're supposed to just account for changes oh, cool. in population. Yeah. And there's very clear direction that that it should only be communities of interest and geographic boundaries. So things like Mountains and rivers, and uh, incorporated cities—all those things matter, and they oftentimes are ignored. And this this latest version—I remember looking at the the proposals that were coming out and watching. Uh, Salem is one of the the hotly contested areas, and in Salem, there were random. Suburban streets that had district lines going through the middle of them that don't make any sense. I mean, it's, it's yeah. one thing to put something on Sunnyside Road, right? right. That's a major right. road, yeah. but if yeah. you're if you're putting it in a neighborhood, uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
0: Well, they were talking. I mean, I think the the Yale, um, I think it was Yale, did a did a study and graded our our districts as a an F because it split school districts, it sli- split precincts, it um, transversed the Cascade Mountains. Um, I w- we were joking um, the, the the congressional districts, not the not the mm-hmm. state districts, but congressional districts. There are four within about a ten mile straight oh, line yeah. in Southwest Portland. Yeah. So there's there's you know Southwest Portland, Inner Southwest Portland, Outer Southwest Portland, and Southeast Portland. Are all separate districts with separate representation. Can, can, can we announce
2: this now? I still <laughs> to pick a We can actually, we, we decided we're going to do, you can do it as a 10K. We're going to do a 10K, 10K called Jerry's Meander <laughs> in which you go through all four congressional districts and, it, you know, we'll get, get the permits from the city and, you know, donate the, uh, uh what was the Norman Terrell league with voters? It. Yeah. Like good government groups and whatever. But like, I'm, I'm
0: really excited to go do as a 10 as a K four congressional districts. And it's yeah. like, that's uh. you go from uh, Oregon Episcopal school to Selwood park. And wow, that's that you, you cross. It's a, basically a straight line through four congressional districts.
1: Amazing. Yeah, I, I remember when, uh, when I was redistricted and I was getting to know the new district and I was at a, powellhurst gilbert's neighborhood association meeting which is the new area of the district and i mean these are hardened democrats that that Mm -hmm. go to those meetings and that run those meetings and they were really angry because they had so many different uh representatives and senators that they and these are people that are engaged that actually call their representatives Mm -hmm. and they had you know four or five different reps and the senators and uh, they were spun up about it, you know, that, and these are Democrats yeah. They that they, they were used to distribute that population so that it, it took away any Republican advantage in places like Oregon city.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jeff Stone, friend of the pod, uh, he, I was having discussion with him about this one time. So he, he worked on Metro, which is, you know, that's the position I'm running for is Metro council. So we were talking about this and when he was, uh, I think chief of staff, he, um, he, as as a as to show how absurd the redistricting is, he had a map drawn up that used elevation as the criteria for uh, for redistricting. Elevation, yeah. So he had he had six metro districts drawn out by elevation. Huh. So you <laughs> with equal populations, and so like random circles, and where like tops of hills, you know, go to one district, and the bottom of the hill goes to another. Um, I would love to see that map, but.
1: <laughs> i'm sure it looks the same as any other of any the other ridiculous goofy
0: yeah
2: right that's that'll um, be good youtube we're talking before the show about why we don't get any hits on youtube that's youtube content there right? you we go can just have the have the thing
0: i don't i'm right? not sure it exists anymore but he he had it I'm drawn up to it. explain so, how absurd it is what um
2: what what drew you to politics in the first place uh, what what made you decide to run and You know, any any kind of good stuff like that?
1: Uh, You know, a million years ago, uh, I had this very small advertising agency and I was based out of southwest Portland, kind of Barber Boulevard area and the city of Portland. Had a, and it might have been, actually, it was, I'm sorry, it was Multnomah County, had a, a special tax that they were doing. Okay. And it just pissed me off. Was it the arts tax? No, it was, <laughs> it was just as egregious. It was, it, it actually did sunset, which I never expected it to do. But it, it ended up being because I was self employed between the personal income tax and the business income tax. It was about like 1.75% of my gross was wow. going to go to this, this tax. And I just wow. thought that was ridiculously unfair. And so I started, calling around, and I, I talked to Clackamas County and asked them what their business licensing fees were, and they were like, well, it's $10. <laughs> and that's, sure, a, a heck of a lot less. So I ended up out here, uh, but at, in doing that, I figured I needed to find some like-minded friends because Portland can be pretty rough if you're a conservative and yeah. you're trying yep. to socialize because, man, you got to keep your mouth shut at parties if you're, yep. you're going to have a good time. I have friends, yeah. Right, and so... I ended up joining the Young Republicans, which was a really fun group. We met at the Rosen Raindrop downtown, and there were, you know, maybe three dozen of us. I mean, Stan Pulliam was there. You know, he's running for hey. governor Um, it, it, and all sorts of folks. And we all volunteered for campaigns. And it's funny to, to see a lot of us now have either – had political, you know, stints and, or, or are embarking on those now. And, uh, it, what got me in was actually a call from, you know, Angela Wilhelms. Yeah, sure do. Of course. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, it, I would get messages from her when she had some hair brand idea for a, a website <laughs> or something that my advertising agency could help with. Well, she called me out of the blue and, and said, Hey, uh, uh, we, we need to sit down and talk. Uh, we think you should run for the legislature. And that just blew my mind. Like, are you crazy? But um, I ended up agreeing that that was a, a good idea at the time. And so jumped in Won uh, despite a democratic registration advantage and never having done it before. And, uh, the caucus promised me all sorts of things like you won't have to have a primary. Don't worry. Uh I ended up having a primary. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, don't worry. All the money will be there. Well, there was no money. I had to <laughs> raise it on my own up up until the end, which is the story of all candidates. Um, so that's that's kind of how I got involved. Long winded okay. answer. But uh, a call from Angela Wilhelms. Well, oh, there you go. That's
2: folks. If your phone rings and it's Angela, you best pick up that ignore phone or ignore it. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, yeah. or not. What, what was the, um, so I obviously the, the, the taxes, the onerousness on small business the, and everything like that. What were some of the kind of the driving things that were. You know, you were like, all right, I, I want to run so I can accomplish this. Or were you just like, I, I just want to be a good servant for the folks in my district and just try to get some good work done?
1: You know, it might have been a little more personal than that, it, just because I had been so active in volunteering time for campaigns and, and mm-hmm. things. At the time, I was going through a divorce. And so I found myself with no one to answer to after, you know, seven <laughs> o'clock at night. So, so if I were to be out campaigning from six in the morning until 10 at night. Uh, There is nobody that could bitch about it, uh, except for, you know, maybe my cats. But yeah, that's uh, that's that was the the catalyst for can I reasonably do it? Because I think everyone should do it. I think everyone should take a turn and be involved and do the uh, citizen legislature thing. I think it's an important aspect. And having been there, I'll tell you, it's uh, there are a lot of retired people or people that are independently wealthy, that have nothing in common with common people, yeah. and it's that's so dangerous. And when I was there, we had this terrific flood of new blood, uh, where you had like Katie Air, we had uh, Sean Lindsay, you had Matt Wands, Jason Conger. I mean, just and Mike McLean. I mean, just really brilliant people. Uh, Julie Parrish, of course. Yeah, uh, you had these great people that were young and they were full of ideas and energy. And it really upset the Apple cart. And I think that's healthy for a democracy.
0: I think one of the that's one of the hard things about the legislature is it, it you have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to win this seat that pays thirty two K a year. Yeah. I think it was twenty four when it was twenty four at the time. They've raised it. But um, if unless you are retired, independently wealthy, or have some sort of circumstances that allows you to take off for six months every other year, yeah. um, you can't do it. It was a big hit.
1: And these are, these are prime earning years. If you're in your 30s and 40s, yeah. these are, these are the years that you're actually able to put money away for the first time in your life. Yeah, and, right. and that doesn't happen. I had to borrow against retirement in order to, you know, pay for things. Cause at the time I was doing both real estate and I was transitioning out of advertising because when somebody comes into your office and says DHS took my kids, are you really going to go home and work on somebody's logo? Right. There's, there's <laughs> just, just no way. Yeah, you know, it, it was just too important of a job to not give, uh, you know, twenty hours a day to. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think it was. We had we talked to Dan Bonham
2: who re- retold a story that Betsy Johnson had told him when he got elected, and uh, yeah. Dan had said uh, he, he went in and asked, you know, his first first week in the legislature, whatever. He said, "How much time should I put into this line of work? Because it is." ostensibly part-time work and she had told him this is a if you want to put 20 hours a week into this job you can get 20 hours worth of work done if you want to put 80 hours a week into this job you can get 80 hours worth of work done it's it's not going to stop it's Mm -hmm. not gonna there's not going to always be more papers to read and you know research to do and phone calls to return and whatever if you just want to do it for 20 hours and try to maintain your your business or your law practice or you know whatever it is that you're doing you can do that and if you want to just spend every waking moment on the legislature and bills and policy stuff and whatever, you can do that too. And it's, I feel like that's one of those things where it's like, if you're a business owner, you can say, Oh, you know, I, do I want to take on another client? Yes or no? Do I, you know, do I have the bandwidth? Yeah, that's fine. No, I, you know, my kid just got on a softball team for the first time. I want to be a coach. I'm not going to take on any new client. Whereas in the legislature, yeah, somebody, somebody calls you and says, I, you know, they're shutting down my business for mm-hmm. this, you know, goofy tax that shouldn't be a
1: tax in the first place. Can you do something about it? It's like, can't say no to that. Right. And and the other side of things, too, uh, are the constituent services. And I was unique in that, that I was, I think, the only one that I knew of at the Capitol that did all my own constituent work. Mm. Um, John Clure was my legislative director. Great guy. Uh, he would tee everything up for me and do a lot of the, the legwork behind the scenes of things. But I would be the one that would call the state agency to say, hey, get off this person's back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I dealt with some really unique and interesting things. There was a an international parental kidnapping uh, case that, that I – made a couple of phone calls and, and it wasn't the fact that I had the power to do anything over it. It was that I had the relationship with the district attorney
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the, the district attorney returned this, this poor woman's call that was not getting her calls returned. Uh, that's an easy thing to do. And it's mm-hmm. a life changing thing. And I mean, the hardest one I dealt with was that, that issue with, with uh, DHS took this woman's uh, children. And, and usually when DHS takes your kids away there's a good reason yeah right there should be there should be and in this case this is the last stop right this is the backstop where every state agency is accountable to the elected representative and and i took that really seriously when people came in and there were people that were just wrong that happened Mm -hmm. uh in this case it was a woman who had disciplined her children and she was russian And her husband's mother worked for DHS and had coached the children in how to respond to these things. And because this woman was from Russia, when they talked to her, they said, well, you can have your kids back provisionally, but you have to admit that what you did was wrong. And if you're in Russia and you do that, they take you away and put you in the gulag. So uh, she did not trust her government to keep her out of the gulag. Uh, At the end of the day, it took months, but – we got our kids oh. back, and and uh, that was a very fulfilling, exciting thing to be able to do. And the, the constituent work was was just terrific. And that's what takes a lot of the time. And I I really believe that if you're doing the job right, you're doing half of your time is on policy and half is on constituent work because uh, the policy it just it's so slow, it's so difficult to get substantial things through, mm-hmm. and the the political labyrinth. That <laughs> that that's there. I mean, the time of, of year matters. Mm-hmm. If, if there's an election coming up, I mean, Tina Kotek uh, just flat out put out the, the, the law that said that any freshman Republicans bill in the short session, the 35 day session, or 30 days, se- yeah. 35 yeah, day 35. session, um, that any piece of legislation that we put out would be automatically killed. And I had a really important piece of 911 funding legislation that's super wonky. I won't go into the details of it, but it was my sheriff asked for it. And I had to do a gut and stuff uh, of that bill with, um, with Senator Olson's bill that he thought was smooth sailing, but the Senate didn't really let him know that it was uh, dead on arrival. And so I had to go hmm. convince him to To gut his bill and put mine in place, and we got it through the rules committee, and we got it to the floor, and only at the end Tina Kotek found out that that she got outsmarted. So. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like it. the ending of that story right yeah. there. That's that,
0: that seems <laughs> <laughs> insane. Like, what what is the rationale for saying that? Hey, you're an elected legislator, but because it's your first term, you can't put any bills forward yeah. first term a member of
2: the opposition
1: party too that's yeah well, it was because it's just
0: the opposition or was it well you were 30 30 so it would have been
1: co-chair so yep so they can so you, like had the no. you had the power of no you had the power of no so you could you could not advance any bill that you wanted because it took both right. chairs of a committee to agree to hear a bill or anything right so yeah that's uh
0: if you have a good idea it should be at least seen and heard. I mean, there's a oh, labyrinth that has to go
1: through. I want to pat you on the head right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> if there's, a, I can be optimistic. There's a good good ideas um, uh, give way to bad politics too often, and it the short session is the election year, and. Yeah. The, the last thing the Democrats wanted was for us to be able to come back to our districts and say, hey, look yeah. what I did. You asked for right. this and I went and made it happen. And, you know, I had some great stuff that was killed for all those reasons. Uh, Paul Holvey, who's a just a demon. <laughs> uh, This this guy, I had a bill uh in general government and consumer protection, I think was the name of the committee. And. The very first day of the committee, we had all of these state agency heads came in and said how badly their buildings were deteriorating and that, that, that you know, we needed $300,000 of roofing here and we needed, you know, $6 million of exterior here. And, and it just blew me away. And I, I was like, you know, we're in a government uh, uh, meeting about good governance and this committee forces HOAs to have reserve accounts. Why the hell are we not forcing our own people to have reserve accounts? And so, if you're yeah. leasing the building to yourself because you own it as the state, mm-hmm. why are you not taking a portion of that and having a plan for asphalt, roofs, siding, paints, striping, all of that stuff? And I remember Paul Holvey and I cornered him uh, – it wasn't getting a hearing, and the clock is ticking. And I'm on the floor, and I'm staring at him, and he's got two staff members around him, and they're all talking, and there are all these kind of unwritten rules that that you're not allowed to approach another legislator if they're engaged in a conversation, th- okay. things like that. Sure. And so he's deliberately got these these kids talking to him so that he can Doesn't not to... not be you know answerable to me. And and so finally, as he's walking out and going somewhere, I just broke the rule and just stopped him, and I was like hey, what about my bill? And he's like, oh, yeah. Well, I didn't get my public contracting bill, so I had to kill your bill. And he said, this is a true story. He says to me, "That and it's too bad. That, that was a good bill.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's I, a
1: true, true story of Paul Holvey, your
0: representative from Eugene. <laughs> I was <laughs> <too> uh, <bad. laughs> at an event for Christine Drazen running for governor uh, just a couple nights ago, and she told a story about – she had a bill that she was pushing forward um had to do with uh parental notification for bullying in schools. You know, pretty, pretty straightforward bill. And she said um it got killed by the committee chair, and she went and asked why. And the answer she got, I don't want to name names because I don't I don't remember. Um the answer she got was I did it because I could. Wow. No explanation other than that. And so she she would continue to to resubmit this every year and it, it kept getting killed for no reason other than Mm-hmm. just a power grab and i think you know you hear these kind of anecdotes and you think like oh people are exaggerating or you know the democrats aren't really that power hungry it's maybe that's just a trope by the republicans to try to get more more uh votes but you hear enough of them and you start to realize that this is a pattern this is, is this is not just you know i mean democrat we have we have tropes about them they have tropes about us and you know it's it's all just politics but the abuse of power going on in Salem that nobody hears about is pretty astounding on the left. And I would, I would hope that we would do better if we were in charge, but... Uh, We're not. So, you know, who is, who is
1: great (laughs) about that? Um, so caucus meetings for your listeners that might not know what that is. It's, it's when all the members of one party within a chamber like the house. So the house Republicans would have a caucus meeting. And early on, we had these discussions about how to share leadership and Dennis Richardson. Uh, stood up and I remember this so clearly that he stood up and said, you know, we have a lot to learn from this. He said, this idea of co-governance and getting along with the other side. And it, it just struck me as the most mature opinion that I had heard around there. And I couldn't believe the scoffs that I heard from mm-hmm. folks. And these are battle hardened people. Like, you know, I don't want to. S- mention a name because i don't recall a specific sure. names but but people like say vicky Berger, who had been in the battle forever right it, she's dealt with with minority uh uh memberships in the in the house and and what that feels like and so every one of them is grasping on to how do we get out of this how do we get the majority back so we can do something and for dennis to to make a statement like that, I thought is – was really telling of what a great character he had and uh, just a, a guy that I just always looked up to. Yeah. We definitely had,
2: a loss for the state.
1: Party politics aside, there's just just
2: giants of, of – yeah. the. Capitol building down there in Salem, and that's a, you know oregon- well, all oregonians lost something that day, and it's just
1: yeah, and you know it's I don't want to give the impression that this is what it was like all the time, uh because in the thirty thirty balance it was actually pretty friendly uh up until it was election time and i i'll I'll tell you a story, and I will name names uh <laughs> when I would host in the the evenings if if it was five o'clock, you could find my door open and it would be come in. Have a cocktail. I bought a couple of bottles of whiskey and, and it wasn't just you as a member. I wanted your staff to come in and hang out and, yeah. and show that we're, you know, we're all working I toward know. the same things. And, and they, and I, I think the lobby even had a name for it. Uh, <laughs> the, but anyway, uh, one of the very first ones I had Val Hoyle in my office and, and she was a good friend early on, not so toward the end. Uh, but she had two, Staffers or interns that, that came with her. And I remember the next day being down in the, the little cafe today area of the, yeah. the legislature and somebody came up to me and said, you know, uh, one of Val's, um, staffers recorded your entire interaction.
0: What? Well, yeah.
1: Uh not just trying to
0: catch something. Just trying to catch something.
1: Oh my gosh. Uh and and Val herself, um, we maintained a terrific relationship for months and months and months. Mm -hmm. And she was in charge of Democratic campaigns. And and I remember so vividly sitting down with her in my office and she, you know, had a glass up to her lips and she was like, Gosh, I just I wish this would go on forever, but I guess it's gotta end. And I said, Well, what are you talking about? And she said, Well, I have to take you out. Is mm-hmm. what she said, word for word. Well, I have to take you out, and I was like, "What do you mean you have to take me out?" She said, "Well, I'm, I'm in charge of the Democrat campaigns. I'm against you. Yeah. I've got to do this." And I was like, "What about this? All of this great work that we did, and all of the compliments that you've paid me, and you know, for uh, my stance on the death penalty, to you know, all these things that we met and found common ground on. Uh, it was a really, really sad moment yeah. uh, when, yeah. when that was clear that that none of that mattered." And boy, I've, I've seen that more than once. So it's, I've read, uh, certainly, I mean, you just
2: mentioned Angela Wilhelms. I've read Gary Wilhelms book about his time in the legislature and I've both pre and post, you know, what just in general, what his life has been like. And, um, there was a, there was a state rep from Salem in the 70s or 80s who's now – he's written like a, a college-level textbook about the, the history of all of the Oregon legislatures. And now it's – the the guy's name is escaping me, but it's just like the history of the Oregon State Capitol or something like that. But in, in both of those books, you can go through and just find legion amounts of stories of – republicans and democrats can get along and you can still go campaign again and it's like hey like you're pro-choice and i'm pro-life or you're pro-death penalty and i'm anti you know whatever it is and uh the best ideas will out and you know some people win elections some people lose elections whatever but there was a enough of a camaraderie in in the Capitol of it's just like oh hey we're all you know we're all getting stuff dunked on us and we're all getting calls from all over our districts with you know people experiencing real problems that uh, that it's on us to solve and it's on us to make sure that you know, state agencies are running efficiently and responsibly and providing the service that they need, you know, all these important jobs. And, you know, R we're all in this together. And now it's just like, uh, boy, I, I one of our friend Jacob Vandiver, a friend of the pod who's been mm-hmm. on here before, he uh, he posted a picture he, now two days ago when the session oh, started. Oh, with Dan Rayfield. With Dan Rayfield, yeah. Whom he ran against 10 years ago. And it's just like – and, of course, this was – a. a, a quicks a tree tilting at windmills kind of race. I think JV just did it for like a college thesis project or something like that. (laughs) But, but still that, that you had this level of like kinship and you know, it's just like, Hey, you know, I'm happy to see you're doing, you know, succeeding, doing well Well, and whatever. And it's just like, I just,
0: I will say when, when the power of the balance of power is very far in one direction, it's easier to be friendly. I mean, we had uh Dr. Reynolds on the podcast who was my opponent who I was, out-registered 6 to 1 in that district and only so lost 5 to 1 I only lost 5 to 1 yeah outperformed <laughs> beat the which, spread, which the district spread. was that was 36 30. downtown portland oh yeah 2020 <laughs> yeah it was it was kicksock Chilting tilting windows yeah. um anyway we can we don't need to talk about that but um it was it was easier to have a positive relationship with her because we both knew the outcome. There was no threat. <laughs> like it was, I was just doing this for, for the experience and for practice and to, you know, figure out the system mm-hmm. in preparation for 2022. But, uh, yeah, we ended up being, having a positive interaction through that.
1: Yeah. I think that's happening less and less now. Uh, I think I was there at the, the last time that that really happened Mm-hmm. With, and and there were I, I think a lot of it too has to do with making sure that you're involving yourself with the social aspect of being a state rep, and some of it, hmm. uh, some of it is is frankly Stan Polliam's fault. Uh, he, he passed, he, he helped <laughs> Dang it, pass, Stan. yeah, he helped pass some legislation that was uh, smart legislation, but it was to limit campaign contributions from like personal expenditures so if i'm making twenty four thousand dollars a year Mm. and a lobbyist wants to take me out to lunch they usually can't and that's sometimes the only time that i would have to be able to talk to somebody so i would go to lunch and i'd have to pay you know 25 bucks for lunch and you know their expense accounts are pretty hefty and they're just they're just fine um and then the relationships with other reps, um, there were two bars. There was Alex's, I believe it was called, was like the Republican. I'm doing quotes for people listening, <laughs> air quotes, uh, the Republican bar. And then there was Magoo's, which was kind of known as the Democratic bar. And, you know, the mayor of Magoo's was, of course, Mike Shoffler, is the, mm-hmm. the, the, great, great Democrats, uh, turned Republican now, but, uh, he was just a phenomenal guy. Mike Schaffler, uh, he would have these, meetings and smoke cigars and you'd talk about things and you had that those relationships. And guys like Brian Clem would come to those and uh, who is that there was even a a senator at the time, gosh, what was her name? She has a hyphenated name. She's a doctor. Um she's real short. Uh but she she would I I forget her she I know she's still there. Um but she would come out to Alex's and, you know, get a cocktail and an appetizer and you know, you'd sit back and and have these discussions and and build those relationships, and that's really important. The people- Iverson, no, she's no, not right. uh, oh yeah. well, I oh, just Sassanat, wanted, never mind. I? Yeah. Okay,
0: um, I'm just thinking short female with hyphenated uh, last name <laughs> with a hyphenated last name. Yeah, well,
2: so we were we talked to um we talked to to Bill Post, and I, I love Bill Post. Oh, yeah. My gosh, <laughs> he's another another good radio guy. So it was fun to kind of have a conversation because he's just he'd been on a microphone for years. Yeah. Um. I, I only bring it up because it serves the point that we, we had, when we just walked out and he was like, there's this rep's office, there's cause it's, it's relatively close quarters in there. And, um, he listed there was five Democrats that he was sitting around and he was like, this guy's really good. This guy's really good. This, and we have a great time. That person's no good. Mm-hmm. I don't, that guy's a bummer, you know, whatever. And it's just like, yeah, you're not going to like everybody you pick any assortment of sure. 60 people there's going to be a couple that anybody doesn't like or whatever but it was just, he had so many great stories just ticking them off the road, just as we were walking down the hall right next to somebody's office mm-hmm. but it's just even it's, it, that doesn't mean they're going to vote on your legislation that doesn't mean they're going to you know not try to primary you or, or beat you in a general election or whatever and it's just like it's it, it's unfortunate that the that there is kind of that water's edge of yeah we we put good policy out there and we we did a lot of good work together and everything but i'm still coming after you and it's just like yeah that's you
0: know i kind of see that as in primaries and this is kind of an interesting year because they're the the governor's race is just flooded with people and i have relationships with half of them Mm -hmm. and so it's like who do you support and how involved do you get because like i don't want to tick off somebody that I still want to have a positive relationship Absolutely. with later on it's it's just really really tricky um
1: it's family business to, you know I, yeah. I i really i view it as that the the republican primary has always been uh, a tough thing for me mm-hmm. because you, you you really have to take sides to to show your support for a friend. But there are things that you can do, uh, you know, pledging that you're not going to get involved with mudslinging and, yeah, and be yeah. strict about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the hardest race that I ever ran was not against Shamia Fagan or Cheryl Myers it was my, my primary opponent against John Swanson. Uh, I, I had no idea what I was doing and I was downright mean to that kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, 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 I remember he's, we sent a, uh, a mailer, and he didn't like the fact that we used a photo of him and said, Well, you know, this copyrighted image, blah, blah, blah. And so he said, All right. I said to my consultant, well, let's just use an image of a carpet bag. Because he carpet bagged <laughs> and, and oh my gosh. I, I just feel awful. But you know, I I, I picked on that that guy more than uh, I should have for sure. I just didn't know what I was doing. And um yeah, I, I've talked to him several times about it and he, he and I are good friends now. Uh, but boy, it was, it was rough when you go up against the, the family and, and it, those are hard things to mend, you yeah. know, cause yeah. people hold grudges if, if you don't treat someone with respect and treat them well. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely looked for my competitive advantage and sometimes I went a little too far.
0: I was story that I heard from one of our, Uh, staff or friends, I don't remember who who gave it, but they were working for the opposition against um, Alex Scarlatos when he was running for Douglas County Commissioner back before he ran for Congress. And he made some comment that's semi-famous now of, I don't really want to be a commissioner, I just want to do the right thing, or something, something, something. So of course they clipped it and said, I don't want to be Douglas County Commissioner, Mm -hmm. and put money behind it and ran an ad. And yeah, I forget which of our friends was saying this, but he's like, I ran an attack ad against a war hero, like <laughs> he, like that was his his reactions. Like, oh man, but this is that's what he was paid to
1: do, and so he did it. But um, yeah, I've yeah. got to, I've I've had the opportunity to to run some pretty wicked negative pieces against some real damn villains, and yeah. so I'm happy about those things. I have stopped some Democrats from having successful careers. Uh, Eddie Morales is probably the, the most notorious. Who's a um, Gresham city Councilor And he's running for mayor and he was the heir apparent to Blumenauer's seat. Hmm. And not anymore because <laughs> yeah. I exposed all sorts of terrible stuff that this guy had done. And, and yeah, it was brutal. And yeah, he is no, no longer on a path to take over Earl's gig. Well hey yeah. that's yeah. Well, um uh Diego Hernandez right
2: the the state rep from out same Troutdale Gresham East County somewhere and it uh, kept, kept yeah. winning winning races winning races winning races and it's like it, it's well known that like the guys that like committed sexual assault like multiple times and there's all kinds of you know women coming forward and finally finally that his own caucus had to just be like "Mm," yeah and he ended up having to resign the seat but it's like if it wasn't for mike nearman that he would have been the first person to get kicked out for sure for sure and it's just like that's yeah there's some bad people that do some shady stuff you assault people like
1: can't uh can't have this job sorry and that's relevant you know that that's super relevant You know, things like they attack Sean Lindsay for uh, using his legislative dollars to get on a legislative trade delegation to China Mm -hmm. that I was on with him. And and, and I actually used airline miles to get over because I just didn't want the optics. Uh, But it's a completely legitimate expenditure it's part of your job yeah and, and they yeah. had a full eight and a half by eleven flat mailer that had a, a picture of a pirate ship or something and sean <laughs> Lindsay's trade junket and all this nonsense oh uh, you know they, they when they have budgets that are nine hundred thousand dollars to run against you they've got to make mountains out of molehills yeah. and and yeah that's a lot of it is just white noise people just don't pay attention well it's not it's not persuasive
0: another person that got in trouble for taking trips on uh campaign money jennifer williamson uh but because she was heir apparent to secretary of state you know all sorts of stuff and had to resign over but she was taking vacations she's going to hong kong maui Maui, like a lot of stuff and just so the way oregon laws are set up is you have wide berth to spend campaign money on Mm -hmm. a lot of things so she didn't break any laws right technically but she spent a lot of money on a lot of trips that had really nothing to nothing do with, to do with being a legislator or campaigning.
1: Yeah. So, um, well, I can tell we're... you that China trip was work. Holy cow! I mean, it yeah. was it was a once in a lifetime experience for sure. But man, it is muggy and our days were just six in the morning till 10 at night every day. Wow. Um, and it was, it was brutal because every town you stopped in, they had a major, uh, lunch or dinner or something with just tons and tons of food. We were so tired of (laughs) banquets by the end of, by the end of this thing. (laughs) Oh my God! Well,
2: so so I got to ask. I know um, uh, ask about general political involvement now, but I know one of the things that you're doing is that you and I are uh, what we're we're both on the Dorchester board. You're running it. This is this is your thing, and I'm very excited to be a part of it. But um, h- how did you get involved with the Dorchester conference?
1: What's kind of the what's kind of the vision for it? What are we hoping to get out of it this year? Oh well, thank you for for asking. Yeah, and thanks for your service on the Dorchester yeah. board. Uh, it's going to be a great time this year. You know, I. I've always gone to, to Dorchester back when it was in Seaside. Mm-hmm. I don't think I registered for the conference for the first maybe 10 years I went. <laughs> just uh, showed up. <laughs> I, I, I just showed up. I'd never participated in like table topics until I was elected. Uh, and before that, it was a great party. You'd go down and rent a, a beach house with the other young Republicans. We'd throw some giant bender on the Saturday night that, that everybody would be talking about for weeks And, uh, and it was super fun and I would go play skee-ball while everybody did their nerd political stuff. (laughs) And, uh, and then when, when I got, uh, when I was running for office the first time I actually started attending the conference and, you know, you have your little trade show booth and all that. And that was years ago. Uh, and, and I really value the conference. It's just a terrific place for like-minded people to get together and hear some maybe opposing views. The, Mm -hmm. the board, the Dorchester board is an interesting place because there's always a lot of really uh, opinionated folks with, with ideas of how the conference should look because Bob Packwood started it. And it was supposed to be an invitation only conference that was supposed to focus on the moderate side of the Republican party. And I am a, advertising guy at heart right and mm-hmm. so when we had the opportunity to get roger stone out here i was all <laughs> over it man and and i was playing the boogeyman with willamette week when they would call and ask about the roger stone stuff and you know i just casually mentioned yeah I was smoking cigars with roger and you know we brought up the <laughs> attorney general race and all this stuff just or sorry district attorney races uh which ended up he was 100 percent right that's the new battleground as district attorneys uh anyway the the conference is going to be a blast. We have it now at the what used to be Mount Hood Resort or the resort at the mountain. Now it's called Mount Hood Resort. It's in Welch's. Uh, there's a golf tournament the morning of the first day of the conference, which is Friday. We're going to have an awesome two-hour panel on uh the state of Taiwan and what does an invasion look like in Taiwan. And we're hmm. actually – having some pretty heavy-duty diplomats from Taiwan there along with a combat journalist. And uh, it, and then we're going to have a vote on should the U.S. defend Taiwan if they're attacked militarily, hmm. which is a pretty controversial topic. And so, Dorchester is always uh, about controversy and those things. So, I'm excited that, that we're going to stir the pot a little bit with that. And of course... It's also a terrific party and we're, uh, we're getting the permits to actually have a block party to oh, where cool. we have, uh, the golf villas that are these big party mm-hmm. houses. We've designated them as such. So, so the old Dorchester tradition where you would go to find the houses that, that had the parties in them, we've, designated this this one little strip that's just a short walk. I mean, it's right across the street from yeah. uh, the hotel room. So, it's going to be a blast. We're going to have the gubernatorial debate. Um, we're talking with the GOP about combining, although Dorchester is an independent of, of any political party. Um, you know, we still have to have those discussions whether that makes sense or not. Sure. But it's going to be an awesome conference this year. I'm really excited about it and I'm excited you're a part of it. Yeah, no, I'm cool. I'm
2: tremendously. This will, honestly this is only the second time I've attended, but yeah, the the first one was just like you say. It's just, it, it there's all stuff all day. You can learn as much as you want. You can network as much as you want, and then I, at the nights you can drink as much as you want. And that's I. I mean, it sounds dope. but like that's that's how friendships are made. That's how stories are formed. Everything. And so is- a very
1: very prominent lobbyist was at one of these things. He's a conservative guy, and he's a good friend. And uh, it was two o'clock in the morning. I remember because at one o'clock, he pounded on the door and I was like in bed. So I, you know, threw on some <laughs> jeans and opened the door. And he's like, Uh, oh, hey, Sheehan, we're moving the party in here. I'm like, all right, because <laughs> uh, I had one of those golf fellows, And 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 it was like two o'clock in the morning. And we're having this really vigorous debate. Uh And I forget what the topic. I think it was on Jonathan Lockwood because oh, okay. cause mm. most of the people hated Jonathan Lockwood. And I love the guy. I think he brings <laughs> I, I think he's awesome. And so I was defending Lockwood and all this stuff. And. And this lobbyist, he was like, damn it. This is exactly what Dorchester should be. <laughs> and, and I agree. It's a, it's this exchange of ideas and it's fun and people get to express these ideas. And you know, it's yeah, that, that next morning they were. Some, some state rep was too cheap to buy his, uh, staffer a room at Dorchester. <laughs> and, and so I got up and I'm, I'm walking through the living room and there's this, this intern sacked out on the couch that we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and he told wow. me, that. I'm like, all right, man, I'll buy you some breakfast or okay. something.
0: Jeez. Oh, well, we are just about out of time. So normally we give people a heads up before we end the show yeah, and with the, my fault, uh, yeah. we, forgot to so um that's all right one of the things we like to do at the end of the show is ask our guest who their favorite republican is so this is the first you've heard of it apologize Ooh. for not uh giving you heads up we prior to the show the 30 seconds we'll just uh blunder, talk with but, nick um and yeah. also apologies for anybody watching on youtube all four of you uh the camera died about five minutes ago So jeez. Oh, anyway <laughs> you're missing our beautiful faces i know here. sorry about that
1: you know oh, um it, it's it's hard to to name one specifically because there's so many different metrics i think the the republican that i learned the most from was bruce Hanna, and Mm -hmm. he was in charge of our caucus he was the co-speaker of the house and and i said this on the floor of the house during our you know last comments on the very last day and and i believe this wholeheartedly i I learned more from Bruce Hanna than I think anyone except my own father. And the way he would run meetings were brilliant. Uh, his – he knew where there were lines. And this is something that I have gotten a lot better at. Because when you go into a situation like that, there's a real tendency to want to go along to get along. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I see that in a lot of them. And Bruce would hear every single person at the table. Not just listen to him, but hear him. And we'd go around the table. Everyone would have their say. And then when Bruce Hanna would take off his reading glasses, you knew the decision was coming. <laughs> and And uh, he laid it out for you. And it was brilliantly collaborative, but so assertive in the way it was done. Uh, he's just a brilliant guy. And, and the way he just kind of walked away from politics when he was done, I – I was not able to do that. I, I know the rest of the, the freshman class of legislators that I was a part of, everybody kind of had scars from, from the, the whole experience, you know, and it took some of them quite a while to yeah. get over. And Bruce just kind of walked away and, and he doesn't have any, he doesn't seem to have any real political aspirations, even though he could jump into this governor's race and take it right now. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. cause he's just that charismatic and he cares that much. I mean, he's, He's that genuine person that when when he cares about something, you know it and you know it by his actions as well as, as his words. He's just just a tremendous person. So I, if, if you're asking me who the best Republican I know is, it's Bruce Hanna. That's, uh, that's really insightful because a lot of folks will answer that with like Abraham Lincoln or
2: Ronald Reagan, who are two obviously giants of the Republican party Mm -hmm. and uh, not casting disparate. If that's who your favorite Republican is, then God bless. That's two great Republicans. Or, you know, Tom McCall comes up and it's like, Oh, should we talk about an Oregon? Well, Tom McCall was really good. And, and obviously that's great, but you, you can read legions about it all you know these guys and i they, they have these titanic places in oregonian republicans minds and, and somebody like that who's just who probably hadn't gotten a lot of airtime and probably not i i mean of course we've all heard the name before but that's it's not only something i couldn't tell you some of the bills that he's written or where he represents and now it's like cool i got some homework to go do yeah. and i learn a little bit more about somebody who's uh you know to somebody to whom you know we should look to emulate so that's absolutely uh, that's yeah. good news right terrific there. guy
0: great well, Patrick, thanks so much for giving us the time, letting us come out here and, and talk with you. Um, that's it. Listeners, we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.